In the months following President Donald Trump's executive order putting a priority on artificial intelligence and in government, agencies are taking steps to ensure the federal workforce sees AI as an asset, not a threat. For example, the Naval Research Laboratory is looking at using AI to detect and correct for workplace challenges before employees walk out the door. The Government Accountability Office is looking at ways to improve the data collection that powers the AI tools. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman joins me with more. All right, Jory, let's start with the Naval Research Laboratory. They're using AI internally, it sounds like. That's right, Tom. They're looking at taking a closer look at this sort of data pipeline that was described that they have on their employees, sort of metrics that they have as far as performance and things like that, and also combining that with some text analysis of these exit surveys that they do for for outgoing employees and seeing if there's any commonalities there, if there's any uh, common issues that they have as reasons why they're leaving, and maybe flagging that and seeing that they're, whether they can perhaps stem some of those problems and uh, help increase retention in some way. And so Ranjeev Mitu is the head of the Information Management and Decision Architectures branch of the laboratory. He gave an overview of what the lab is working on in this space. Now we have a mechanism. As employees are kind of progressing in their career, we can look at the predictors. So do those predictors tell us we might have an employee that is going to leave? Should we fix a problem because a lot of employees are leaving for a given problem that no one's addressed? I think there's a rich opportunity not just to apply machine learning, but a variety of approaches under AI to solve this kind of problem. Wow, I'd like to see the algorithm they're using. And, Jory, you mentioned the GAO has also taken steps to improve data collection. Tell us about that one. Right. Well, we've heard it in so many ways in various levels of the administration that you know AI is very promising, but it really relies on a lot of good, clean data to, to power it. It's kind of like building uh, the world's best train, but you didn't build any track and there's nowhere for it to go. And so GAO is really taking some steps to, to improve maybe some of this underlying data here, GAO, they recently stood up this science technology assessment and analytics team. And uh, Tim Persons is, the, is GAO's chief scientist, and he oversees that team. He was saying that they are building a sort of a sandbox, he described, within the agency to work on unstructured data sets. The idea being there's not always going to be pristine data out there for AI to work with. And so making it a little bit more rugged and being able to roll with the punches a little bit when it deals with some dirty data. person said that GAO is looking at improving data collection standards and reducing the time spent sifting through that data. Just to be able to be messy, to have unstructured data sets that aren't well behaved because the world doesn't kowtow to your convenience and your ability to do that. That's my message to my statisticians, whom I love, but they're used to sort of nice and neat. And as an engineer, we all know it's much dirtier out there. The hope is that when you get in the mess, you learn from the mess, and then you start to adapt and tweak. And actually in data collect, you could start to shape how you collect data. And that's Tim Persons, the chief scientist at GAO. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. And he's got a point there because dirty data or badly sampled data or unclean in some way data going in to train an algorithm can cause that algorithm to produce outcomes that are unethical, biased, or simply wrong. So it's really not about algorithms, AI. It's all about data. And he's got a good point there. And what about any developments in Congress about staffing up its science and tech team pursuant to this AI or whatever other big technical enterprises are coming to the government? So GAO has already gone up to Capitol Hill and they've asked lawmakers to appropriate a, perhaps a 10 percent increase in its budget overall. And a big chunk of that will be staffing up this 
this uh, this tech team that we just described and their cybersecurity and their science capacities. There is also perhaps a new kid on the block here, the Office of Technology Assessment. There is a a pretty strong block of members of Congress who have lobbied to bring back this OTA. They were defunded back in 1995, the argument being that they, it was duplicative of, of having OTA, GAO, and the Congressional Research Service. But there's, there's now this resurgence of, of people thinking that OTA deserves a fair shot and should be brought back. Just this past week, we had Mark DeCano. The, uh, he's a Democrat from California. He's long been an advocate for bringing back OTA. In the in an early version of the fiscal 2019 spending bill, he was one of the Democrats who had lobbied for a $2.5 million provision to get OTA brought back up. He told members of the House Appropriations Subcommittee on the legislative branch that GAO and OTA can coexist together. This expanded capacity at GAO is an important step, but it really is not sufficient. A restored OTA would complement GAO as well as CRS by combining deep technical expertise and robust forward-looking reports with the ability to be responsive to immediate questions and the needs of members and staff. I'm surprised that idea still exists because they've been closed for 25 years longer than OTA was even open. But he's got some friends and colleagues of the same mindset. Right, right. A, a, a newer voice in this space here, uh, Congressman Sean Caston. He's a freshman Democrat from Illinois, and he has fashioned himself as one of these science experts in Congress. Uh, he has well, is a, he actually or just fashioned himself as one? Well, he has a degree in chemical engineering, and, and he's in good company with Congressman Bill Foster, who is okay, also so he's, a, he's an engineer, not a chemist. Just just I'm making fun here, but yes. All right. So but he's interested in scientific areas. But he's in good company here. Uh, Congressman Bill Foster, a colleague of his, also from Illinois. He's the only PhD in, in Congress. He has his degree in, in physics. and he There has, you go. There's a scientist. And he's also been very vocal in bringing back OTA. So uh, the, these experts in the science field saying that OTA deserves a spot at the table. Kasten also told members of the House Appropriations Committee – that there really is no broad oversight on these science issues, and OTA could really fill that space in a significant way. The collective knowledge has fallen short because now the knowledge is done in these pockets that don't get shared. And there were things that we knew and objective questions that could be asked that are now no longer part of the collective wisdom, if you will. And I would submit to you that 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 has had the practical impact of making us dumber as a nation. It's caused a lot of people to duplicate effort that they shouldn't otherwise duplicate. And there's really nothing else that there's no agency that does that. Well, it's good to hear a congressperson talk about not making the nation dumber because plenty of them up there have had contributed to do that very cause, I guess. And so what's ahead? Is OTA going to get funded for 2020, do you think, Jory? It's a big ask to bring back a new bureaucracy and to staff it up, considering that the legislative branch does have these other big watchdog groups, GAO and the Congressional Research Service. And GAO has already stepped up to the plate of saying that, yes, you know, we can handle this new scientific capacity. That being said, there is a really small contingent of folks who think OTA could do something different. So we'll see. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Check out his coverage at federalnewsnetwork.com. When you think about something that brings out the best in us, it usually involves helping someone else. By donating plasma at a Griffles Center, you can help save millions of lives and show your good side to the world. You'll join thousands of people who donate safely each week. 
So patients get the plasma-derived medicines they rely on, and you'll be rewarded up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.